welcome to the Breakout Growth Podcast, where Sean Ellis and Ethan Gar interview leaders from the world's fastest growing companies to get to the heart of what's really driving their growth. And now, here are your hosts, Sean Ellis and Ethan Gar. In this week's episode of the Breakout Growth Podcast, Ethan Gar and I chat with Kevin Yip, the co founder and chief operating officer of Blueboard. So Blueboard is a platform that lets companies reward and recognize their employees' contributions with unique and, frankly, awesome experiences. So new and innovative concepts like this suggest a blue ocean of opportunity, but sometimes when something is so innovative, dialing in product market fit can actually be a real challenge. So Ethan, what stood out to you as we dug in with Kevin? I think it was just that, Sean. You know, you and I can look at a company sending a standout employee to a Michelin-rated restaurant or maybe sending them on a skydiving adventure and think, wow, that's totally awesome. But it was really interesting to hear the process of Kevin and his team getting from zero to one with an offering that was really a totally new concept. They're not selling analytic software to companies that know they need better visibility into their data. They're selling employee happiness, probably to companies that already value and recognize their employees in one way or another. Yeah. Uh, and you and I both know how challenging it can be to sell into HR departments because it's something we did at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and we quickly learned that challenge and we were still trying to dial in product market fit. And that's exactly where Kevin and his team found themselves really trying to focus on finding ways to educate companies. But I think Kevin understood that finding product market fit was job one and he wasn't afraid of the hard work and diligence it would take to get there. Yeah, I would say him literally going door to door to 300 companies, I think he said, in Blueboard's early days was really proof of that diligence. But I think what our listeners are going to find valuable is just how that focus on product market fit and really ensuring that the company continue to validate it, even as COVID and other challenges have come up over the years. It shows just what it takes to always put customer value at the forefront. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, like many of the companies we have on the podcast, Blueboard is growing really fast. So yeah. if you are looking for a new opportunity with a company, um, they definitely know how to recognize and reward employee contributions. So they may be exactly the place you're looking for. And who knows, you may find yourself climbing Everest or some other great experience. <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. And before we jump in, we wanted to let our listeners know that we've added a new format to this podcast. Every other week between full episodes like this one, Sean and I are going to air quick seven to eight minute episodes that we call Growth Snacks. These are quick hit conversations where we focus on sharing one learning to help you and your team grow. And our first one is already up and you can also find it on our new YouTube channel, which is linked from the homepage of breakoutgrowth.net. Yeah, definitely check out the uh, Growth Snack episodes. Um, to be honest, this last one we did was uh, eight and a half minutes. So <laughs> we're shooting for that seven to eight minutes, but they're really loaded with one actionable piece, piece of advice. And this last one will help you drive higher impact experiments, which is something we're all trying to do. So we're excited for them. And we're also looking for cool ways to involve you as the listeners in the participation of actually selecting a topic. So um, keep your eyes open and ears open for something like that. But for now, Ethan, let's get to it. All right, let's do it. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the Breakout Growth Podcast. What's up, Sean? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super excited. I'm also joined by my co-host, Ethan. Hey, Ethan. Hey, Sean. Hey, Kevin. You know, Kevin and I, uh, Ethan, I was just telling you, we we met uh, a few months ago sitting on the UC Berkeley campus, and I got really excited about his business. It's, it sounds like you guys are doing some some awesome things and on a really good growth trajectory, but uh, I'm guessing that there's at least one or two members of the audience that have not yet experienced uh, Blueboard. So maybe a good place to start is just uh, give a quick introduction to, to what the business is all about. Yeah. So we Blueboard is all about helping companies reward and recognize their employees. And where we kind of really focus is delivering experiences for great work. And so experiences can be skydiving for the first time, learning to make Italian gnocchi, uh, surfing in Hawaii, or just like a Michelin star meal. Anything that anyone would want to do uh, outside of work, we want to help deliver on behalf of great work. And so that's, awesome. that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where, where did you guys decide to, to, how did you come up with the concept in the first place? So... Yeah, no, it, it's a great question. So I was a auditor 
uh, at PricewaterhouseCoopers coming out of college. Very fun, sexy job. That sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was great. It was great. Um, I had a buddy who was a roommate at the time who was consulting at Accenture. And for me personally, I was put on a project. And in the beginning of it, had a couple team members quit. They were like, yeah, out of here. Don't want to do the work. And so me being the dumb one, not quitting, uh, I had to take on all, all, all both of their work, right? So three people's work for one project. And so I ended up working about 100-hour weeks for over two and a half months, right? Seven days a week, 12 to 15-hour days, complete grind. Um, but I got it done, right? We didn't look pretty. You know, at the end of it, I was like anxious, stressed. I was about 25 pounds heavier. My girlfriend at the time, who's now an ex-girlfriend, was on the verge of breaking up with me, right? I was just a miserable human being. And I remember my manager coming up to me and was like, Kevin, like amazing job. Like we really see how much you, how much energy you put into this, how much you've sacrificed. And she put down an Amex gift card on my table, on my desk. And was like, you know, you know, the partner and I really appreciate you. And then like walked away. It was almost like the straw that broke the camel's back. But rather than feeling like appreciated, valued, like, oh, wow, like I'm stoked. I'm going to do it again. Our next project. I was like, I'm a cog in the machine. I'm just a number. This is bullshit. And I came back and I was like venting to my roommate. And we started talking about, hey, like, what would have been a better option, right? And so like, we kind of started thinking like, well, wow, like actually there's a lot going on in the background to deliver that gift card. There's millions of dollars in budget. She had to go to like our partner in HR to get approval. They, she had to pick up the gift card, right? All of these great like intentions. And then like just to hand it to me and me, me reacting that way was, yeah, it felt flat. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> And so how Blue Boy came about was like, we're like, oh, imagine if instead she came up to me and was like, hey, Kevin, I know you've been really frustrated with your health. I know you love boxing. I actually got you a boxing membership to the gym around the corner for the next three months. Or I know you and your girlfriend, you've been e eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner here in the office, you know, for the last, you know, every day, you know, take her out to a nice dinner date, you know, maybe a cheese and wine pan glass. Same cost as a gift card. But imagine how much more personal and thoughtful that would have felt for me as this like high performing employee. And that was like the, ah, like, I think we have like something here, just like from in the idea stage, right? Like companies are spending, and it's crazy. It's like companies in the US spend over $70 billion on non-cash employee rewards. A majority of it goes to swag, a Dyson vacuum, a blender and gift cards, right? If we could help deliver something more meaningful, like, oh, what would that feel? Would that feel better to the employee? And we just thought like, absolutely. So anyways. Yeah. And did you did you end up uh, like, well, someone has to have thought of this already and then go and start kind of trying to find someone who's doing it and surprised totally. to not see it? Yeah. And so what we found was that like recognition and rewards in general, like was a very like software oriented solution. Hey, let's track spend let's make it easy to give out rewards but like they didn't really care about the rewards themselves and so like interestingly in our experience right, we were like oh the reward really matters like actually like all of the software and budgeting like that's required but it like didn't deliver on what like a reward and recognition should feel like to the end user and so we yeah, so we started going through it realized like no one's delivery experiences and i think what in our like customer interviews or like a research, what we found was like the top two to three percent of managers were doing something like Blueboard is today. They're thinking about who the person is. They're being thoughtful. They might be spending even their own money and be like, "Hey, I got you a whiskey tasting class," or like, "Hey, like you know, I got you this you know gift card to Gary Danko's. You know, you know, take your your partner there." And we're like, "Ah, there's some of this behavior already happening in top managers." Right. Um, so anyways. how can we make it easier for them? How can we make it easier and scale it across the board? It's, right. it's funny because uh, Sean and I both, we, we've been reading uh, Empowered by Marty Kagan. And there I, I, there was a moment in it that stood out to me where he, he was talking about rewards and where he said, you know, sometimes there have been times where I took money out of my own pocket to, to make those rewards. And it's interesting. You're saying the top two to 3%, you know, I, I think 
the the best managers in the world they are really thinking you know they they are really taking that empathetic approach and they're really thinking like you said it's not just about like how do i tell kevin hey thanks for doing something it's i realize who you are as a human being and i want to reward that so it's 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 interesting yeah how that could become the spark for for this incredible business i'm i'm curious back at the time what did you identify as the biggest risks uh, in starting that business? It, it was, you know, with anything, with any like kind of new venture, we, and, and I hadn't started a company before, right? So it's all of the, well, how do we build a product, right? Um, how do we get an MVP up and running in front of our customers? And then like, how do we almost ultimately convince them to buy? Like, there's obviously like tons of risk in there, but actually like for me, it was like personal risk, right? Cause you know, in the early stage, right? Like you're, you're quitting your job. You have like a cush, like, you know, you know, salary. You're in your mid twenties. You don't necessarily want to be broke in your mid twenties <laughs> right. and single. Right. Um, and so like, it was all just ego too. Like, yeah, my, it's everyone going to think totally. I'm an idiot. <laughs> and yeah. And I went through a lot of that, right. That was honestly yeah. like a lot of the, the risk and that I had to like kind of deal with personally. Um, but I take, you know, at the end of the day, like I think, you know, the risk can be mitigated with just like thorough research and like really like, okay, like curiosity, like, hey, getting in front of your customers, like really, you know, are you solving a problem, right? Um, and so like, obviously, as you start to build conviction into what you're doing, like it becomes less of a risk because you have more confidence, right? It's more more data points that are validated. Yeah, um, It's kind of how I see it. But so- sometimes people are just like, you know, they, they, they don't want to deal with anything that, that could bring negativity to it. And so they, so they're just like, so laser focused on, Oh, this will have to be successful. It'll definitely be successful. And like, you know, maybe, maybe ignore some of those data points. So were you able to, uh, able to, uh, kind of remove the passion a little bit, dispassionately kind of explore the opportunity? Yeah. Um, and maybe unpack that a little bit. Yeah. So, so like one of the things that I, I like to do is, uh, you, you may have heard this before, like the, the, um, pre-mortem, have you heard that concept of just like, essentially if this fails, what is the number one reason that it's going to fail? And, and then, and then kind of like, so, so starting at the most negative and trying to, trying to like kind of validate those assumptions and work your way up to, to, okay, there's enough stuff here. Let's do it. Um, but what I was saying is that a lot of, I think a lot of, uh, founders, they just, they, they, like, they don't want to hear the critics. It's so easy to be a critic and they get kind of defensive about it. And, 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 you know, obviously I, I can ask these questions cause you, you've gotten to a point where, where, um, it's really valid it's growing quickly, but, in those early days, like, I mean, I, I, some people just get lucky and like, you know, ultimately the, the, um, everything plays out the way that they hoped, but I was just curious. Yeah. If, if, if you, uh, if you like how you could, how you could go particularly with like, let's say you're pitching to investors, the idea you got to be like, Oh yeah, this, this is going to work. This is why it's going to work. And then, and then you have to switch into that critical mindset where, okay, do, does this problem really exist and, and kind of uh, dispassionately uh, explore each of the factors that are going to need to be validated in order for it to work? Yeah. And honestly, you know, when I think about like kind of these conversations, you know, I think of customer conversations and I think of investor conversations and the investor ones have been by far, you know, 10 X harder. And if you, if you think about the business we're in, right. It's, it's really about saying thank you to your employees in a different way. The Stanford MBA is going to tear that shit to, you know, <laughs> into, right? They're like, oh, you know, why, why do you need to say thank you? Like, boom, well, compensation, oh, benefit. You know, it's just like some people just don't get it. And there is a really logical argument to that, right? They're going to be like, oh, well, the CFO doesn't think these are in the top three priorities. And I'm like, CFO is right. It's not in the top three priorities. And yet businesses still spend on it and they're, they, you know, they spend one to 2% of payroll. So like, I think like what I've, I've come to understand over time and it, you know, it, it hasn't been easy is that like, there are like 
there are like with any business, there are going to be like really, there's going to be like critical feedback that will like, if you really perseverate on, will almost tell you to not do the business, right? Or, or, Hey, you're not solving a big enough, important problem. And I think it's the balance of like, you know, for me, it's like the customer conversations were always like, Oh wow, that would be really interesting. Like, you know, I have a couple people that I would love to do this for, right? And so, like, what I would always go back to is like, who are we ultimately serving? We're serving the customer, and there is that there's that kind of curiosity and that like natural interest that like we like kind of flex to know that hey, this is actually something that they are interested in and that they're buying, that they're seeing success, and that they're paying more for it year over year. That like that has been able to like investor like you know you have a good point mm-hmm. but this is what our customers say this yeah is what the and, data and what shows. i also like is like what yeah. really triggered you to even want to pursue the opportunity was your conviction around the problem and you know the the solution you want to be flexible on but it, you know if you if you really understand the problem and you feel like that problem i mean you you saw it you 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 worked super hard and and then they cheapened it by just putting like a cash value on all the sacrifices you made and, and, you know, no, no sort of meaning in that. And, and just saying at least on a sample size of one, I felt that problem. How many other people feel that problem? And if, if there are enough people feel the problem, there's an opportunity there. Yeah, totally. Totally. I, I'm just, I'm curious. Um, did you ever, since you've started this business, have you ever had an interaction with the Pricewater, uh, um, Pricewaterhouse Cooper person who gave you that gift card? Um, I'm just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> did, did, definitely. Can, can you tell us about what that conversation? Because it just seems like it'd be fascinating to go back, and I, I'm wondering, like, if she even, yeah, did she did she have an oh of course moment, or was she like, what the hell are you talking about, she, or was she like, can I work for you? No. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the funny thing is, like. We were really close, right? You know, we're we're sitting right next to each other, right? And we're we're both working all that time. And so if I think about like a person who could have had the opportunity to like recognize me in a personal way, it would have been her. And yet it still fell flat. And so that's where I kind of and and it, it, we ju- we joked around about it. Um <laughs> But uh, in the end, it turned yeah. out to be the best thing she could ever have done for you, right? Because <laughs> right, no, exactly, exactly. And and, and part of like when you, when you and in conversations with her, like kind of after starting this, a lot of managers, right? Like recognition is somewhat of an afterthought, right? The top two to three percent, like I said, right? Like really take the time. But it's but after that, it's like almost like a checklist item for even the better fifty percent, right? And so it's like the fact that you're just doing it is like enough for them, right? But it still doesn't have the intended impact. And so, you know, to me, it just seemed like something that like, okay, if we can build a system and a process and make it super easy to give something personal and meaningful, we we were like, companies are going to spend money on this. It 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 almost like it's like why wouldn't they? So, anyways, I'm curious though. you know, obviously, you said I think seventy billion dollars are spent spent on on things like this. Um, but were you trying to tap into like a clear existing budget? Like it sounded like that that gift card that you got probably was sort of like it didn't come out of any specific budget. So she had to say like, "Hey, he's been working his butt off. We should recognize him and figure out a way to get you that money or that it's almost that like card. a spot bonus, but yeah, or something." So it seems like. Now you're going and you you have a you have a pitch. You're saying, "Hey, we have we have this valuable thing that will make you know help you with retention and improve your business." Were you did you have to educate the your potential customer on how to find money to do this because that you know they did it more ad hoc or did it exist already? So the recognition as a kind of business has like existed for years, but like you know we. Like we are constantly educating companies, right? And you think about a maturity curve for, you know, even a, you know, a company today that's like progressive, you know, all about people and culture and like needs to be because, you know, like a software company needs to keep their their engineers happy. 
you know, they're still like, you know, at a certain point, they're like, oh, like, we're just, you know, charging this on like our, you know, our Amex card. And like, you know, the CFO is like, what the hell is going on over here? Right. Like, so like, there is a, there is like a maturity curve and like education need to be done with like almost every company. Um, but, but I could actually see myself actually being receptive to it. Um, I like in, in my last CEO role, I, I would say that the part I hated the most was the people part. And that's, and it's kind of, and I'm a pretty good people person, but people are complicated, you know, <laughs> like I, you know, no like, easy answers. Yeah. No I easy have, answers. You know, I've, I've got these puzzles of trying to figure out the business and trying to get all these things and, and the puzzles feel more solvable, solvable than the people. And, you know, to the point, just, to, just to like iterate how, how scarred I am from that. After I sold my last business, I was like one rule in life. I, the previous rule I had was I'm never going to work for anyone else again. The rule afterwards was I'm never going to have anyone work for me again. So it was just kind of <laughs> like, yeah, I just, you know, the, the, the people side is complicated. And so that's why I'm saying I would be receptive if someone said, you need a system for meaningful recognition. And here's how that connects with your broader goals in the business, whether it's uh, retention, motivation, all these things that are really important to the success of the business. So I think the education's there, but, and even somewhat sounds like the budgets are there, but the, um, but it, but it doesn't seem like a huge leap for a lot of people to, to be able to see what you saw. Yeah. Ethan, you know, one of the, you brought up a good point that actually we're currently undergoing right now. And so like really, you know, the first several years was about building a platform and making it really easy to send an experience, uh, deliver an experience to an employee. Right. And what we're seeing is like our go to market is currently evolving from like this, like platform to like product marketing. And so like, okay, we have this, Experience delivery platform is what we call it. Makes it easy to, to send experience. How are we productizing vertically on top of that to attack certain budgets? So we've built a, you know, a product for uh, anniversary and service rewards when people hit their, you know, five year anniversary. Right. We've built a president's club product to deliver these like say, like kind of these annual sales incentives um, to top, you know, top sellers. And so like. We're kind of going through this, like getting close to our customers. How are they using us in interesting ways? What outcomes are they getting? And then like working closely with them to kind of productize that and then like market that out. And that's like something that we're, you know, we're currently going through right now. How, like what, what drove that, what drove that change in the business? How did you figure out that that was the logical next step to keep driving growth? We always, you know, and it wasn't, it was something we just in how we built it early on was like, Hey, like, let's just make it easy. And like, you can, you can do this for your customers and like pipeline and your employees. And like, let's just sell in and like, figure out, let's get close to the customers and figure out how they're using us and then work to kind of build support around that. Because we weren't HR professional. I, you know, I worked for 18 months. You know, I've had a job for 18 months, you know, in my career. Right. And so I'm like, I'm not going to act like I'm an expert in like how the world of work, you know, happens and how organizations run. So I think it was a little bit of just like, honestly, the awareness of like knowing we were like somewhat amateurs at this, uh, to like, not just like make it functional and then like learn from our customers early on. And so were you, were you trying to get customers like from day one or were you kind of going through that? Like, let's, let's get the solution just right before we, mm. before we try to scale the, the customer side. We've, we've always been very like kind of growth oriented as a company. Okay. And I think part of the reason is just both myself, my co-founder, we're not engineers. That's a whole nother story of how to get your first engineer, <laughs> but like, we're more like, yeah, we're more like business and, and sales folks. Um, and so before, even when we had this idea of like, okay, how could it work? We had no product. And this is, you know, kind of going back. I had moved back to my parents' place. I had gone completely broke. I was one of the first Lyft drivers. So it's like, I had to sacrifice all that stuff, right? That we kind of alluded to earlier. But when we came up with this, like, this, like an actual product idea, we sponsored a HR innovators meetup. 
and we had no product. And we showed up with our parents' laptops. We put on well, or our their iPads. We put on some like just pictures of experiences. And we said, hey, like you can like give this to an employee. Like, oh, I have a surfing lesson. Or like, oh, go skydiving. Or like, and we just like wanted to get feedback from HR buyers. And like that actually was like, oh, this is really cool. Like there was enough like positive feedback. We're like, all right, let's build this. Okay. Okay. So yeah. even at that point, you hadn't quite told yourself we're gonna do this for sure. It was more, it was more in that kind of exploratory stage. And and mm-hmm. that you got enough feedback there where you're like, let's go for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then at what point, like, so, and then, but you aggressively were trying to, to grow it or aggressively trying to sell it even while you were figuring out how to deliver it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. No, no. So like, I, I mean, I think That's real world like, stuff there. <laughs> yeah, I know. So like early on, right. Um, this is early customer acquisition. We were going to you know, Bay Area skydiving and, you know, Booth B Academy of the Beverage Arts to like be experienced providers on our platform selling them. At the same time, like Crunchbase data used to be free. We like basically exported all the data of companies that had raised over $10 million, threw it on a Google Maps API, and we went door to door. So we went to over... That's how we got our first customer. We went door to door to over 300 customers. I got kicked out of Dropbox uh, <laughs> early on. I, being the amateur I was, I didn't know like kind of, you know the you know the the EAs could look at uh, someone's calendar. So I was like, oh yeah, we have a meeting with like Kevin <laughs> who runs uh, runs the sales team, and uh, he's like, yeah, what time is it? Oh, two thirty. And I'm like, yeah, you're not on a calendar. I'm like, wait, wait a second, gotcha. John, yeah. you were you worked at Dropbox. Uh, wow, no, that, was, that, was that you? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, got in, I got in before they had calendars, so I could I could BS my way in. To... <laughs> well, that's great. And then, um, and then, so it, it, was there was there sort of a, a marked turning point there, or was it just literally like every, every day getting a little bit better at how to sell this thing, and every day figuring out how to deliver it, and it just kept kept, kept getting better and better. The the first two years were like, you know, every customer we won, like we freaking scratched and clawed to win, right? Like there was like, it was like one customer, like a month maybe, right? But it's like, I think at an early stage and we, we didn't take on any funding early on. It was just myself, my co-founder. Like that's kind of I like- think, I think with those kinds of results, funding probably would have been pretty tough. Exactly, right? Yeah. Um, you know- yeah. And so like, I think like the first turning point was, you know, you know, I think our first deal was like $5,000. Right. And I was like, Oh my, like spending so much. Right. And, um, we had a, I had a buddy that I went to school with that was a, in HR at GoPro. Um, and we got in front of them and honestly a perfect customer for Blueboard, right. P- perfect prospect. And, you know, at the time there were about a thousand employees and it was like, oh, wow, this is like an enterprise product. And so they, we went through a sales process with them like, hey, like we're going to roll this out to our entire company. And we were very clear, like, all right, it's just, you know, there's three of us. We had an engineer at that time too. And like, that was our first big, like, ooh, like. <laughs> now like, what? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, now what? Like, oh shit. But then also like. Hey, like the product is so simple, right? It's like, you know, you could probably, you know, program it on like these no code easily these days, right? But like, it was like, let's, let's get really close to them. Let's build a product, an enterprise product for them. Let's learn about how the budgeting works, about who uses it. And then like, then we can like sell more of a product and program to uh-huh. larger companies. And, and what, so like what's that, the business model? Is it, it or has it? change but is it like taking a cut of the experiences is it SaaS? like how do, how do you guys charge yeah for it? yeah so we're like a we're like a SaaS marketplace right and so we kind of create and kind of build up our experience marketplace on one side right we kind of you know get a, a take rate from that spend and then we charge like kind of a, a software like fee um SaaS fee uh okay. for so it's got two different access. revenue sources then two different revenue sources exactly 
Cool. And that's like almost a network effect too. And in, in, in the fact that with no customers, the experience side is pretty hard to build. And with no experiences, the customer side is pretty hard to build. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I, I was just curious, you know, you, 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 you mentioned at the beginning, like simple, you know, the product was, was barely a, t- a product at the time. And it, at what point did, did it become really a, or has it even become really a tech? It seems like it's not, it's much less about the technology and more about making those connections. There must've been a point though, where it became a technical, you know, technology marketplace. Was there sort of a defined moment where you're like, we've got to invest in that. Yeah. And so it was shortly after like we kind of acquired GoPro as a customer. And so, you know, they were using us in the U S and they, and you know, they said, Hey, we have a few different offices. Um, in the Philippines, I think in London, and we want to use you there too. Right. And so now like, you know, a simple, like kind of see like kind of content management system. That's like kind of managing these offerings. Like they need to be like geo smart. We need to route like the employees, like to the right kind of geographic menus. Right. Um, you need experiences in those markets. <laughs> we need experience in those marketplaces, right? We need like there needs to be like a uh like a workflow to help deliver those experiences. And so like that's when like we were like, all right, we need to invest heavily kind of on the R and D to build mm-hmm. out the product. Mm-hmm. Um and it just continues, right? Like yeah. you know, we you know last year we did experiences in, you know, over fifty countries. Wow. Right. Um, you know, so, obviously yeah. languages, <laughs> currencies, payments, uh-huh. et cetera, et cetera. Right. But, it, but, but you've hired a fourth person now. What's, what's yeah. the wildest experience you've delivered? Most unique thing that you've delivered? Ooh. Um, you know, we have this James Bond experience and, uh, that like, it has a really great story to it, but, uh, what do you do? It's a great story in, in the formation of this business, but what the experience is, is like you and a friend, you get a, a tux or a, a, a gown, you know, that you rent out, you get picked up in a black car, skydiving, right? Land, you have an Aston Martin or Jaguar waiting for you on the runway. Zip that around. Now, the sequence here is important. You drop off the car and then you have a private mixology class where you learn to make the perfect martini. <laughs> and so that's like the... Uh, so that's the James Bond experience. Um, wow. So I, yeah. I had my, I had my own James Bond experience years ago. I, I was in London and uh, I get in the elevator and Roger Moore gets in the elevator with me and I'm, I'm accidentally hit up instead of down. So we're like going to the like top that's floor amazing. suite. And, uh, <laughs> and so he starts like striking up a conversation with me cause I, I don't know who the hell he is, but I'm going to the top. So he thinks I'm important. Uh, <laughs> clearly I wasn't, but then, then I, but I still didn't know who he was and I get off the elevator and, and he, he comes back down a few minutes later and my, uh, I was with my CEO of the company at the time and he's like, that's Roger Moore over there. <laughs> like, that's a dude from the elevator. Who's Roger Moore? And so, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what worries me is that some people listening to this won't know that Roger Moore was uh, was James Bond uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. several well, decades ago. Can connect the dots. <laughs> yeah, I started thinking the James Bond experience was going to be what mine was, but that's different. <laughs> but that's awesome, though. And then um, I, I think if you if you look back at the at the business uh, and all the different stages and challenges you've gone through, is there one is there one challenge that stands out as like, oh man, that was a really hard thing to overcome? There's a, there's, a, there's definitely a few. Um, you know, I think one is definitely COVID, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right. Pre, Pre-COVID, yeah. yeah. Pre-COVID, our core buyer is HR. Makes up nearly probably 100% of our business. Um, mm-hmm. And we do only in real life experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think about COVID kind of moving everyone from the office to home. HR is this slam. It's probably like, you know, they're probably the most overworked team. Yeah, they're not you know. active at that moment. <laughs> yeah, right. And then we're also selling, hey, send your employees out to travel, to, you know, <laughs> go to a cooking class. You're like, oh, wow, like this is like very tone deaf. And so like, it just happened to coincide at the time that we were uh, about to fundraise. I think we took our first meeting like 
end of February 2020. We're like, oh, this is going to be a great process. <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah. So interestingly, uh, Ethan and I were working on a project um, at that time trying to contact HR departments. So we, we know exactly <laughs> the, the, the challenge of that. It was, uh, it was really tough. Yeah. And so like, just like, you know, off a cliff, right? Anything from our lead funnel to like, just like people, answer, our customers answering our emails. And so it, it felt like one of those moments where like, oh, wow, like this actually could, this actually could, you know, destroy the business. Like we could be a goner. And so we first launched virtual experiences um, and we, you know, we rolled out menus so our customers could continue like to send out experiences and people can use them. Um, uh, we launched virtual experiences and in-home experiences, we call it, uh, you know, in four weeks and we continued to add to that. And so that was like a major win, uh, that we didn't know if it would land or not. It, you know, that was a huge win for us. And then the second thing we did was we rolled out a sales product and we said, Hey, who's trying to work right now? We're like, we are <laughs> the growth team. Uh, we're trying to sell. And so are a lot of other people. And so like kind of rolling out like a mix of rolling out these virtual and in-home experiences as incentives to sales teams took, you know, a few cycles of like learning how to position it and, and sell and market it. But then after that, it just took off. And so now we've, you know, now we have two core buyers, right? HR and sales, and they're both doing you know, extremely well. So it turned out that 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 challenge was almost more of an accelerant once you once you figured it out, once the HR came back online, then you had then you had really two drivers of growth in the business. Yeah, exactly. And so that that's been that was like yeah, kind of a big challenge that like, you know, ended up being a huge opportunity once we kind of figure out how to get around it. Do you, from the perspective of selling into HR teams, which is then more general towards the entire employee population versus selling into a sales team is it, does it change the perspective on like what the value is that you're offering or is it is that consistent and it's just about repositioning the language around that it's 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 there's a lot of repositioning um because you know hr you're talking culture engagement right you're talking about like a lot of like it's an emotional sale right um, emotional sales, like just for, at least for us, I tend, like you gotta be real direct, you know, when you're selling the sales teams. And so they like, Hey, I get the emotion. Cool. Like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to roll this out? And so it's like very much about the how the value is still the same, right? We're delivering an experience to some employee who's, you know, worth their ass off. Um, but the, yeah, the packaging positioning, how we sell it. Yeah. Much different. So you mentioned earlier when you went, you know, Selling, you know, talking to customers, easy. Talking to uh, investors was really hard because, you know, very nuts and bolts and like, why not just pay them more money, right? Like, why not just give them more compensation? Sales salespeople, traditionally, and not all sales salespeople, I don't want to overgeneralize, but, you know, it's easy for them to say, hey, rather than give me, you know, this experience, raise my commission, right? <laughs> or like, it's yeah. very easy to be just... Yeah, I mean, there's the, there's the cliche of coin-operated salespeople. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm... Totally. I'm just curious, was that... Did you encounter that? Has it been a hurdle or or, or is it has that not really been the issue? It's definitely a hurdle because I think there's like... I mean, the coin-operated rep is a long-standing kind of, you know, notion with, uh, with account executives. Um, I think what people see especially for high performing folks. If you go to a Salesforce or a Workday, you you take the top 10% of their account executives, they're making half a million dollars a year, right? What's giving them another five thousand dollars? You know, and so like that's kind of where we position is like a five, you know, you're going to have to spend a larger amount of money to actually have the same kind of emotional and like motivational impact. Right. But if I say like, Hey, if I take that 5,000, I'm like, Oh, you're going to do a, uh, you know, two you know, courtside tickets to watch Steph Curry, you know, you know, beat out Ray Allen on the, you know, three, the, num the number of three points all time. Right. Like, yeah, let's 
let's do that, right? And that, that's probably like 3,500, you know? So it's like, I think what, what we've done well is like reposition, like you're going to have to spend more money on the cash, right? Or you can do an experience and have like a bigger impact with less. Yeah. And, I, and actually in my experience, kind of top salespeople that I've worked with tend to be sort of experienced junkies anyway. Like mm-hmm. they, 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 they're outgoing. They, they got, they got more to talk about the experience that they did. And, and so I can actually see that being super appealing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I also think there's something about the, uh, I would imagine the, the culture, uh, the culture building experience of having, of people coming back to the office and saying, I just did this. And I mean, I, I, I know when I worked, when I was part of Teltech, um, a couple of years into it, we had a bunch of people going to a conference and we're like, why don't we just take the whole company and we'll just all go out to Colorado. And we ended up having this incredible hiking and camping trip with like whatever the company was at the time, 30, 40 people. The next year that turned into a, cr- a company cruise. And occasionally I heard these, you know, a rumbling or two from someone who was like, yeah, I wish they would just give me more money than take us on a cruise. But I don't think anyone who went on the cruise came back from that and would have traded that for even more dollars than, you know, let's say it cost a thousand dollars per, per employee or whatever. I don't think they would have traded that for $3,000 in cash. I, I think it was just, there was something magical about those experiences. Um, and I, you know, I, do, do you find that a lot of the experiences end up being group experiences or are they really all more individualized with what you're offering? We focus more on individual uh, experiences and um, we've just found that to be the better, like, business model and product for us. I think there's a, there's definitely an adjacency of, of group experiences that I think we'll eventually get to. Um, and is that the same budget though? Is that, is there kind of competition for that same budget? Uh, it's not the same budget actually. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So we actually, it's, it's a completely separate budget. Um, and so that not that 70 billion on non-cash is, is individual okay. rewards, uh, mostly. Um, so, so, you know, you mentioned SaaS and obviously like a, like a big SaaS metric is, is usually customer retention, you know, how many, mm-hmm. yeah, or maybe even customer expansion when talking B2B SaaS, um, yeah. what, what needs to go right in, in an account to, to retain and, and ideally even expand. So now, and Ethan, your, uh, kind of your comment was a good lead into this. Um, our biggest thing that leads to net revenue retention, that's kind of how we, that's what the metric we focus on is in terms of like kind of the tactics within like our programs. It, it, is there a, is there a, a feedback loop for employees to share their experiences to the rest of the company? Right. Because that bring, you know, if we start with an engineering group and then all of a sudden the engineering group's talking about it, they're posting experiences on Slack. It's going out in company newsletters. The sales team sees it. Then the legal team sees it and they're mm-hmm. like, huh, like we should be doing that too. And yeah. that's honestly- Why haven't I gotten something like that? It can even be like kind of pull demand. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so like, that's actually the huge thing that like we really focus on is like we need, and we, are, we don't have it, but like our goal is to have every single experience like completed, gone on, shared, um, you know, shared in whatever kind of feedback loop that it, it's set up at the company. Um, and we even have like, you know, for, for certain things like companies, like we'll actually send out, um, we have a videographer who used to work at, at GoPro and we'll go tell the story of what the person did, you know, to get the, the blue board experience, we'll tape it and then they'll share it on their link, their company LinkedIn. So it's a good employer no, cool. branding asset. And also we'll like just watermarked <laughs> on there on the video as well. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. So it's like, um, so yeah, that sharing component is huge for us in terms of like organic net revenue retention and expansion. Yeah. So do you have a, obviously you, you just said your retention is really that key metric. Do, do you qualify, do you quantify that into like a North star metric that everyone is aligned around? ARR. ARR. Yeah. So we're going, you know, we have, you know, our new, our new business team, new ARR, and then our account management team on, you know, kind of, retaining like our existing and like kind of net expansions. But there's not, there's not something that's kind of a little less uh, 
just dollar oriented, but like experience monthly experiences delivered or something that, that maybe uh, that the team uh, can, could feel a little more emotion toward. You know, I, you know, I think for us, because we're a, because like, for instance, right. Like we have this, you know, channel called blue boarding where it shows all of the experiences that are being posted through our platform. Like this is this is something we talk about that's very front and center. We have a pretty like kind of culture first company that I think like for us we don't really need to focus on like that emotional metric as much because like it's so ingrained into kind of our product. Yeah. Um, that that anyways. it's not a not a void if there if, if there's, there's not a void exactly. Yeah. If, if, yeah. if it's an up and to the right metric that it, it it doesn't need to be something that's a touchy feely metric. It can be it can be. You know, it's just really funny because it's kind of like your whole business is. Yeah. Not about the coin, and then you're optimizing on the coin. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, and I don't want to get myself in trouble. That being said, like we do have this, like we do have this other thing called, and this is like on the other side. But we don't like we don't count this metric um, and track it. But we we get love letters. We call it love letters, where it's like an employee like just like thanking us or thanking their company for like this amazing experience. So like you know we have. We have somebody probably like every month proposing to their life partner with on a blue board experience, right? We have like people, you know, we sent a person, this is probably like one of my favorite ones. We, we sent a person to the, you know, see the Northern Lights and they named their daughter, their kind of their newborn Aurora after kind of that, the Northern Lights on that trip. Or, so it's or like Northwest or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny how you, you're, you're saying how, there's just sort of this natural alignment because you deliver experience. I, I, Sean and I were, we were struggling because I, I had this question in mind and I couldn't really articulate it that well, but we had, we actually, um, we interviewed the CEO, um, Joseph Cohen of universe, probably uh, seven, eight months ago, maybe, maybe even longer universe is a, a website creation tool. Uh, it's an app where you can create a website in like two minutes. Um, and it, he, and he's talked uh, extensively about the fact that, one of the reasons he thinks he's so successful is that the company is so aligned, like their goals are so aligned with their customer goals. Like um, if they're, they're helping com- people, individual creators create websites. And if they're successful with those websites, then that, that value is this, it's totally aligned with the value that they're trying to create by creating this easy to make web experience on, on a mobile app. And I, it sounds, it's interesting that, because it sounds similar that because you're so focused on delivering unique experiences and valuable experiences, um, that that sort of connects up through your organization, I think is, is kind of what you're saying. And that makes it easier culturally to get everyone aligned towards that. We have a very mission driven company. We have, you know, like, it, it, cause it, it experience, like we see ourselves as an experienced company. And our product is, you know, in recognition and building software and, pro- and like that. But because we see ourselves as an experienced company, it attracts like, you know, people that are very like-minded, right? Like people that like want to like kind of push themselves like outside their comfort zone that like have these like really rich passions. And it like that kind of like natural like attraction of for our employees, like it just like it creates like a really like self-sustaining culture. Uh-huh. That probably is very similar to what you alluded to at Universe. You know, you talked about in the early days being super, just like grinded out, sales driven, and how you how you how you kickstarted the business. Is it still really sales driven, or are you guys able to generate pretty good warm leads through something, and then salespeople are pushing them over the over the you know um, finish line, or like what's the what's the kind of acquisition model that you're able to get someone from consideration to 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 buying this? Yeah, no, it's a good question. What we've found like with HR, it's very community focused, you know, early on. And that like kind of that cold outbound, cold, like smiling and dialing, that does not work for HR. And so we really focused on and like kind of also like aligned with like introducing a new type of way to reward somebody that like becoming a thought leader, having a point of view on like the future of work, having a point of view on like, what does it mean to like invest in your culture, invest in your people was something that like, we think one that's like important to have an opinion on and like our customers would really care about that. And so that was, 
something early on, you know, on the content marketing side and like where we really want to formulate a perspective. Um, and so we went in on the community and thought leadership early on. And so right now, something like of our, of our HR buyers, over 90% of those are like kind of marketing generated, right? Um, so we do very little outbound on that side. Now, obviously, when we spun up sales, our sales product during COVID, we didn't have that brand. <laughs> they're, they're, much, they're much more into sales. The problem is that they keep uh, stealing your salespeople probably. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're good. Come work for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that could be a little rougher. But um, but yeah, so that, that makes a ton of sense. And and have you have you uh have you seen like a you said it's like pretty community driven on the HR side. Have you seen a pretty good kind of word of mouth referral between different HR leaders across across companies? Yes. And we have actually these like kind of blue board, what we call blue board advocates, where they'll like leave a job and they'll take blue board to their next company. And so like one of you know, I think the top blue board advocate has taken us to probably four different companies. Um, and so, yeah, it, de- it definitely does. Uh, the word does spread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. it's not because they keep getting fired. <laughs> but <laughs> 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 Bad attitude actually turns out to be the best customer profile. Uh, <laughs> 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 That's not quite it. Anything else you want to you you want to try to uncover, Ethan? This has been this has been awesome. I feel like I've got a really solid understanding of of how you guys got to where you are. No, I, I um the just the, the amazing thing is not twenty minutes before we started this conversation, a friend of mine from college called me up and she started a new job. I'm not going to say the company until because I'm going to make an introduction for you, Kevin. But at a cool. at a very <laughs> very big software company, her her role is senior director, associate engagement and well being. So, uh, this is exactly, you know, this is a role specifically about delivering these experiences for employees. So I think you're, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think the world is, is becoming much more conscious of employee well-being and, and delivering real value for the employees, uh, and rewards. So it's, it's just interesting, like, um, I don't know. It just seems like uh, my my ears must have been ringing, as they say, when she called. Um, but no, that's been really cool. And um, you know, one thing I wanted to, you know, it sound- I actually have one more question before we get to that last question. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, how you know? What, I'm I'm a part of a YPO organization, a young young presidents organization, where I, I interact with a lot of CEOs, and um, I've seen a theme emerge in in the last four or five months is that, you know, so many companies went, went remote, went virtual. And as they try to move back to the office, they're getting feedback from their employees that they don't want to go back to the office. And uh, they, they at least want the flexibility to have a lot of remote work time. And one of the big fears is, is sort of culture and uh, lack of touch and lack, lack of kind of loyalty when, when they don't get to know their, their teammates as well. I'm curious if, if you're seeing that trend and if that trend affects your business in any way. Yeah. And this is actually one of the, one of the, one of the things, and we have, we've done a couple like different pieces of content is in the hybrid world and in like a remote world, right. Where, where people are anywhere and everywhere. Like the biggest question to answer from like from the CEO down in terms of building culture is like, how do we build this distributed and asynchronously, right? Because we're all around the world. We can't just like hop on a Zoom, right? It's all in different pockets, right? And like, we, we don't have those like kind of in real life relationships, right? And so like, you know, I think this is something we've done really well, right? And I think reward systems in general, right? When designed well, are like huge levers of culture because you're elevating and you're amplifying what you care about as an organization and then rewarding it. Right. And so like for us, it's like Blueboard is not only like a reward system, but it's a very social and a very like kind of top of mind system, right. That's very marketable. And so for us, like we've been really leaning into this idea of like, how do you build asynchronous culture? One of the key levers is a, is, is an important and impactful rewards program and system. Yeah. Right? And, and that's so, where I could see like a skydiving video 
being shared on the network while they're where they're maybe wearing the t-shirt from the company and just like this like association of something really cool and fun that is outside of work, but still reflects work. And that that's, that's, that's part of an experience that you're helping to create for someone can help fill that. hundred percent. I, I 100%. actually think I saw on LinkedIn, like within the last few weeks, exactly that where someone went skydive, I, it may have been a blue board experience, but where they were, they went on LinkedIn they're like, and they were, they were essentially bragging about this experience that they had gotten through their company. So um, yeah, it's, that's about, yeah, I think that's probably us. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, take credit yeah. for it either way. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you can ask the hiring question. I think that's where you were going. Yeah. It just, it, I mean, it sounds like a pretty incredible place to work. I, I hope you, uh, you actually give some of your employees, some of the, uh, experiences that you, uh, give to other companies, but, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we, we definitely eat our own dog food. There you go. Uh, Not a yeah. surprise. So for our audience, uh, if anyone's interested, are there roles that you're trying to fill at this point or anything that, um, they, any place that they might want to check out? Uh, yeah. Um, well, we are hiring a, a VP of marketing. Okay. Um, and that's kind of, you know, our, you know, that's going to be our marketing leader kind of at this next stage of growth, you know, kind of going to, you know, 100 million ARR over the that next couple like of years. Sounds like a fun VP marketing role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're really focused on that is like the kind of the brand kind of yeah, category. So much, and so, product so much marketing. great brand and content you can build around that brand that, that yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, that the, the right person could just thrive in that role. So that's awesome. Hopefully, hopefully they're listening today and, uh, and reach out there. So if they were to reach out to you, how's what's the best way to do that? Um, you could email me, Kevin at blueboard.com um, awesome. is probably the best way to, to get a hold of me. Awesome. Well, hopefully, we'll, hopefully we'll flood your inbox with that. <laughs> so yeah. one, one other question we'd like to end on is um, what do you feel like you understand about growth now that you may not have understood a year or two ago? Mm. So, you know, I think early on and maybe not, maybe it'll go a few years ago, right. Is like you're as a founder, you're very much on the ground and you're really in tune kind of to the sales process and like objections and how to position and things like that. I think like what I've become as the company's grown, we're over, you know, over 200 people now um, is how to better model growth and how to know when to kind of lean into scale and to invest in certain areas. And so, you know, we're, you know, we've built out like our, you know, kind of our, our pipeline models and like, you know, entering a quarter, how are we feeling about hitting our goal? And like, where do we need to increase kind of pipeline generation? We, we lean heavily on this kind of this like sales pod model where like we know to hire this next pod when we, when we have both the dollars to generate kind of the demand, uh, the sales development person to kind of qualify that demand and then the AE to kind of close on that demand. And like we hire like a pod, a growth pod, and that's kind of how we think of like our our like growth unit units to scale. So like there's just yeah, I think the, like being dialed into like the model and how that kind of coordinates to the ground level has like made my thinking on like scaling growth just like much more refined and precise. Yeah. So Ethan and I actually interviewed my co-author on on the book Hacking Growth, uh, Morgan Brown, this uh, a couple of days ago, and um, the one of the big things he emphasized that he's kind of learned in his time at Facebook and and now at Shopify is this, is this much more systems thinking. And it sounds, it sounds like that's, that's where you're going with that. Like the more you, more you understand the system, the more you can manage it and then, and also improve it. Definitely. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been so much more systems thinking and I'm like, Oh, like back to more of the PwC days. Um, But it's been, it's been fun. Right. Because I feel like I'm not out of touch of like what's actually going down on the ground, but like, okay, like how do we think things from the system? Like how do we increase these conversion rates and being like, yeah. So it's been tops down, bottoms up. Um, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, congrats, Kevin. That's uh, such, such a cool story yeah. to hear the, the early just grind days and, and how you learn probably so much through that grinding, but it's put you in a position where you're really making a lot of impact and bringing meaning to the lives of employees beyond just simply dropping an Amex card on their desk. So um, I'm stoked for, for what you've done so far and excited to see what, what comes next. 
Thank you. Well, appreciate y'all having me. It's been it's been a fun conversation. For sure. Alrighty. Thanks for listening to the Breakout Growth Podcast. Please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, subscribe so you never miss a show. Until next week.